Welcome to the Share What You Learned podcast. I'm Amy Patricic, a learning enthusiast and the host of this show. The Share What You Learned podcast is designed for learning professionals to share something they're learning in the field of instructional design. Today, I'm talking to Jason Mucci, who's going to share what he's been learning about empathy in the learning and development space. Jason, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Well, thank you, Amy. Uh, this is really, really a treat for me because I've been such an admirer of you and your work and your growth and your exploration of this field for, for a long time now. And so to be invited on to your show um, is, just, is just really wonderful. Well, today's uh, discussion is all about empathy. And when I was thinking about empathy, Jason was, of course, the person who came to mind top of the list. So I'm equally as excited to have you here chatting with you. I know you really well, Jason, but my listeners probably don't. Can you give them a little intro on who you are and what you're all about? Yeah. So, um, well, you mentioned my name. I'm Jason Mucci. I live here in Seattle. And after spending most of my life as a um, as a TV producer and a people leader um, in the news business and in the employee communication fields, I am currently pursuing my purpose to create a better world by building a better world of work. And um, I'm really excited and grateful to be doing that through a number of different avenues. I'm a, a corporate trainer. I'm a team building facilitator. I'm an emerging leader coach. And I'm a teaching assistant at Gonzaga University's Graduate School of Leadership Studies. He does it all. That's what he, that's what in summation, he does it all. And I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't bring into play. Um, Jason has these three C's that he's all about. And I feel like if they don't showcase in this episode, I've, I've done a disservice to him. Well, thank you. I, I was going to mention that a little bit later, but um, since we'll give it a sneak peek. And yes, my three C's, I call it my, my leadership prelude model for lack of a better word. And uh, it's care, connection, and contribution, and, you know, and not surprisingly and appropriate to today's conversation, empathy is a huge part of that care piece. Agreed. That's if you if you interact with Jason in any way, the uh, those three C's will come about, and the empathy will shine. So, um, as I kind of alluded to earlier, I see you as kind of like an empathy guru. You are one of the most thoughtful, kind people and facilitators that I've met. And I'd love to hear a little bit about how you came to that place and what drew you to this work. Well, I, I can't do this podcast, Amy, if you're going to get me all choked up. Uh, that's way too kind. And I wouldn't um, consider myself a guru of anything, but I certainly appreciate the generosity of your question. Um, but I do, I do try to be intentional about prioritizing empathy in the work I do and, and certainly in the person I'm striving to be. Um, you know, I will humbly say, you know, I wish I could say that I've worked really hard at it and I've done all these trainings and everything, but I, I think I'm humbled to say a lot of that comes sort of naturally to me. I don't have a lot of natural gifts, but, um, but one of them I do think is empathy. And I say that because whenever I do these, one of these, um, you know, these personality or strength assessments that we all love to do in the learning and development field. Um, and I think I've done just about all of them, you know, the areas where I consistently tend to score pretty high, all point back to, or explicitly call out, um, empathy in some way. And so, you know, but with any strength, overuse, overuse of it can turn into a weakness. And so that's something I'm always trying to be more aware of and, and, and work on. Um, but as far as what drew me to this particular line of work, you know, like you, I am a perpetual learner. Um, and if I'm not constantly learning or trying to grow and develop, I start to get anxious and restless pretty quickly. Um, and so being in the L and, you know, in, in L and D is sort of a natural habitat. I think for those of us who love to consume and share knowledge and experience, 
especially if we can do it for the sake of the betterment of others. Um, and so in, in my coaching with emerging leaders, I like to talk about the difference between what our jobs are and what we consider our work with a capital W. So, you know, I, I had all these really great and fantastically rewarding TV and communications jobs um, for most of my life. But I came to realize that, you know, what I loved the most and how I achieved success and, and found the most fulfillment in those jobs really came as a byproduct of doing what I now consider to be my work, again, with a capital W, and that is growing and developing others. And so now I think I have finally figured out a way um, by doing all those things I just mentioned, I am making that work my job. Can you differentiate a little bit more? You just, you said work with a capital W and can you maybe break that down a little bit to help my listeners understand what you're trying to communicate in that? Sure. I think, you know, I, I think maybe the easiest way to try to understand it is, is sort of alignment with purpose. Um, you know, why we're doing what we do and what, what we consider sort of our life's calling. And that's what I consider our work. You know, I, I may be a, a leadership coach and a corporate trainer, but my work, why I'm doing that is because I want to make the world a better place. And I think we can, one of the ways to do that is by giving people a better workplace experience so that they can go out into the world feeling better and not broken by work. And so that, that's what I consider um, my work. It's, that's really my purpose, my why, like the bigger picture about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. I love that. And I appreciate that. And of course, like that just perfectly marries into the idea of empathy as well. So kind of like piggybacking off of that, can you tell us a little bit about the role of empathy in employee development? Yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned it as, as part of that care piece, and I think we have to care about people to develop them. And, it, and certainly it's a fuel for the connection piece in my, my work um, because empathy is the fuel for connection. But you know, for me, em empathy is such an undervalued piece of employee development because for development to be the most effective, I think, we really need to take individual needs and, and interest into account. You know, too often, we create these very well-intentioned and, and often, you know, and usually pretty effective development plans, but they can be fairly prescriptive and really more about what the organization needs than what the employee wants. And, and of course, developing people in a way that betters organizational outcomes is absolutely important. It's why we have L&D departments in the first place. I just personally believe that employee development should be a little more focused on the employee part of that equation. So, you know, if we really want to unlock the best in people and motivate them and improve not just their performance, but, you know, retention and their, their overall personal well-being, we have to show people, again, that we care about them enough to also help them grow and develop in the ways that they want to grow, um, even if that's an area outside of their normal scope of work. You know, the, of course, the ideal sweet spot is where you know we can find ways to give people development opportunities or stretch assignments that both serve team needs but are also in alignment with their personal goals and what they're seeking and so to bring it back to your to your question you think empathy it takes empathy to know and understand the the unique development wants and interests of each individual um, and sort of knowing where they're at and if if the only development that people are getting is of little or no interest to them it's only because you know the boss told them to do it it's eventually just going to burn them out and drain them. And but by being empathetic to what what they want to learn and how they want to learn it, you can make them feel really uniquely valued and invested in, which is incredibly motivating. And ultimately, it brings better outcomes because the development work is more personalized to the individual. I think the resounding gong I'm hearing thus far is intentionality. 
that intentionality behind anything we do in the L&D space is going to better serve people and show people that we care and we're invested in them and we we're invested in their growth and development. Well, you just gave me the warm and fuzzies um, by picking up on that because I use that word um, probably almost too much in, in the work that I do um, as, as, far as, as far as intentionality. Like it's all about intentions. I think this stuff takes more intention than it does investment. Um, you know, there's certainly some cost involved with learning and development, but I think what really makes it successful or not is, is intention. So I'm glad that you picked up on that. You made it easy to pick up. It kept, I kept hearing it resounding gong. I loved it. Um, so in, I'm thinking of instructional designers or people in the learning and development profession who maybe this idea of empathy as they're approaching maybe building a learning experience or looking at facilitating um, a training. Maybe this is new to them. And so they're not really sure where to start. Do you have maybe like one or two tangible ways that we as L&D professionals could begin to incorporate more empathy into our trainings? Well, I think the, the first thing that comes to mind for me is, is sort of that design thinking approach where you really try to immerse yourself um, or ima even imagine yourself from the learner's perspective and think about not just what would be the best content for them and their needs, but also the best way for them to consume experience and learn the content. So that's a, that's a place to start is to really think about the learner, the participant first and, and work back from that. Um, I think probably the biggest one, though, is, is something that I'm still really trying to work hard to get better at and I have such a long way to go. And that is sort of active or even empathetic listening. And by that, I mean paying attention to body language, which is, of course, hard to do on Zoom. We'll get to that in a, in a moment, I think. But you know, it's listening to not just what's, what's being said on the surface, but really the meaning of what's being said and just as importantly, what's not being said. And if we want to be empathetic as facilitators, we can't go into a class or an experience with this mindset that we know it all and we're only there to teach what we came to teach and how we came there to teach it. We have to listen for the emerging themes that might be you know, coming out that are different than what we went in there anticipating and, and being flexible enough in our delivery to have different conversations and encourage contrasting ideas and feelings to be shared. You know, there, there's that old adage about meeting people where they are. And to do that, you have to care enough, again, there's that word, to ask the questions, um, to have the human conversations that help you understand where that is, um, you know, what someone is most interested in taking away from that learning experience or what they are in need of as it pertains to their real time, real world, real work challenges. You know, so so one of the most effective ways I have found is personally to do that, to help me meet people where they are is through surveys and reflections. So before an event, I will send out something that helps gather some data on who will be in the room and you know where they're coming from, what they're seeking, what they're expecting, what they typically like and don't like about the type of experience or content that I'll be delivering. Um, that really, really helps me sort of have a better sense of, okay, what I need to show up with as opposed to just creating my own thing and showing up and say, here it is. Um, and, and then during a session, I like to carve out strategic spots for two to three minute reflections that you know simultaneously allow participants to sort of pause, take a breath, connect some dots, let the content sink in, but also it gives me a real time opportunity to assess where people are, you know, like what they're sort of resonating with, what they're still confused by. It, it's the really, you know, doing these reflections during, you know, two or three times during uh, a session, I think helps us as facilitators really stay in alignment with what the audience is, 
is is taking away, but what they're also still needing. Those are so practical. I love that. I think sometimes when we talk about, you know, what are some practical steps, people give these kind of like, um, still what feel like more elusive things, but your direct like idea of get a survey, like such a practical, tangible thing, we can all do that. And uh, that time for reflection and feedback as well. Like those are all super tangible things we can all apply tomorrow, even into our training. So super valuable. And, and, and it makes the participants feel like they matter, you know, and that that's one of the crux of my, my personal work is to make sure that, you know, everybody feels like who they are and what they do matters. And I think by showing that curiosity, you're showing that you are willing to cater your event to their needs um, by asking these questions. And I think that just goes a long way in sort of getting buy-in and investment because it doesn't feel prescriptive. It feels like this is designed for me, sort of bespoke. So you, you referenced this, you were talking about Zoom and how there's a difference between, or potentially a difference between empathy in a face-to-face experience versus a virtual platform like Zoom. Can you say more about that? Yeah, you know, empathy is empathy, um, of course, but, you know, how it's given and experienced and what it requires to do so is obviously more challenging and takes, here's that word again, uh, intention in a virtual setting where it's harder to get a read on people's body language. Um, I, I, I do know a lot of us facilitators, we encourage people to keep their video on uh, on Zoom or whatever the platform is, because it, it does create a more engaging experience in general, but also it gives us as facilitators at least a way to sort of read facial expressions to try to get a sense of where people are. Um, and so all that stuff I just mentioned about listening and reflections really helps when you're doing a virtual facilitation, because those things can really serve as your internal sort of dashboard for reading for reading the virtual room. Uh, on a more operational level, I think if you're on a on a virtual platform, it always helps to be empathetic, even in the technology that you're using, and think about thinking about how accessible it is, or how familiar your audience may or may not be with it, and sort of making sure that they are comfortable with it before you start the actual learning part. Um, the last thing I'll say about this is, you know, we have to show up with with a module or a roadmap for the content that we're there to deliver and the outcomes we're seeking. But with, with that empathetic, uh, attentive ear and a curious mind and an open heart, uh, that will help you better serve your audience's real needs, whether you are in person or, or virtual. And sometimes giving them what they need is really just giving them a place and space to feel heard. I think of, in terms of, for me personally, in terms of face-to-face versus Zoom, when I'm facilitating in a room face-to-face with people, I can... Um, I mean, you can read their body language, you can see facial expressions, you can see if they're taking notes or texting, like those kinds of things become pretty evident. Um, and for me too, I feel like there's kind of like an energetic thing that happens in the room that you can feel and sense. And for me personally, it feels so different on Zoom. It Some of that can still be created or mimicked, mirrored, but it's very different. And you're you're very reliant upon the people who are in your session turning on their cameras, at least for me, that's, that's a key factor. Yeah. Yeah. The camera thing is definitely huge. So you can, uh, you can read the facial expressions. Um, and again, listening, you know, which is easier to do because, you know, when you can see the faces as well, um, you know, listening really helps. If you can, if you're good at listening for what's being said and what's not being said and, and the emotion and the meaning behind it, that also helps. It'll never be, you know, it's, it's always going to be harder uh, on virtual than in person, but but it, but it can be done. That's the good news. 
Yes, it can. It's it's more of that intentionality that you spoke of. <laughs> you can't do it haphazardly. You have to think about it and uh, and actively work towards it. Absolutely. So if someone else is wanting to learn more about empathy and employee development, who are some of the thought leaders that you recommend they follow and or maybe books to read? Where, where would you send them? Yeah, so, well, well I, I have a list, of course, because, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, I know you and I are both sort of learning addicts. And so we, we are all constantly sort of taking in, you know, sources of information. And so I'll list, I think, a, a few. I'm a, a huge, huge podcast person. Um, and so uh, I'll, I'll certainly start with some of some of those and then maybe a book or two. But one who that I have sort of discovered fairly recently is this guy named Andy Storch, and he hosts the Talent Development Hot Seat podcast. Um, and, you know, consistently there's this really great focus on the human skills that I think are so necessary to really inspire and empower the best in people and as they're being developed. So that's a great, great listen. And he has his own newsletter and all these things you can sign up for. He has great content, Andy Storch, uh, talent development, hot seat. Um, there's a woman out of Australia named Leanne Hughes, and she hosts the first time facilitator podcast. Um, and she also has an online community on, on Facebook. And of course, you know, by definition, you can probably guess from the name. She talks about all things facilitation, but underneath it all is this, you know, sort of underlying theme of, of empathy for your learners, for your participants, and knowing what your audience's needs are and, and creating experiences to help sort of serve those. So I think that's a really great one. Um, also in Australia, interestingly, I mentioned the listening piece because I don't know that there's anything that's more of a linchpin for empathy than, than real listening. And there's a guy out of Australia, his name is Oscar Trimboli, T-R-I-M-B-O-L-I. Um, and he has the Deep Listening Podcast. And, uh, and he also has a newsletter and a website and all these things that are really, really great for helping you be a better listener. He even has a great set of, of playing cards that you can use to sort of practice your active listening skills. Um, so that that's a really great one because, you know, the more or the better listeners we can be, the more empathetic we can be. Um, I know we're not on video per se, but there's a book that I just finished by a woman named Erica Keshwin. Uh, I think that's her name. Yeah. And she, uh, she's the author of a book called Bring Your Human to Work. And, and the one that she just put out most recently that I just finished is called Rituals Roadmap. And it, in that book, you know, she touches on humanizing every aspect of the employee life cycle. Um, and it includes an entire chapter on personalized development opportunities that are really specific to what the employee wants, not just what the company needs, and some real great case studies on organizations that you, um, that you would recognize for sure that do this really, really well. Um, and so those are, those, are, those are the ones I would start. I would also um, give you a shout out, Amy, because I think you are showing empathy in your podcast just because you like to keep these really short. And as a, a, um, an avid podcast consumer, I get frustrated because there's so many I want to listen to, but they often go... 45 minutes, 60 minutes, 75 minutes. And I know that's the point of a podcast. Sometimes you can go as long as you want. But I like the fact that you keep it brief. Um, I think that this is really empathetic to your audience. Thank you. The, it, it was intentional. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, if you're like me, listeners, and you are just gobbling up all of those resources that he said and are afraid, maybe you forgot any, have no fear. I will put them in the show notes so you can find your way through and check all of those things out. Um, such a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing all the things. I'd love to transition over to the rapid round now, Jason. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it rapidly. <laughs> all right. Learning is... 
the pathway to becoming a better version of ourselves so we that so that we can then be better for others yes end of sentence period we don't need anything else <laughs> when you're mustering up the courage to learn something new what song do you put on well, I um, I don't want to age myself, but I am a child of the 80s. And so I grew up with a band called U2, a little band out of Ireland. And all these decades later, um, an anthem that still gets me going when I need to summon that little something extra is a song called Where the Streets Have No Name. Um, and sonically and lyrically, it conveys this sense of bigger possibilities. And that's what learning really does for us. That's what it's all about. Learning expands our own possibilities. Yes, mm, I'm loving this. You're asked to do a brand new task with a skill set you do not yet have. Where do you turn? All right, Amy. Um, there's this really great sort of secret hack that I've discovered fairly recently that I've kept mostly to myself, but because I am a super fan of yours, um, I will fail you and your listeners in on this thing. It's called Google. G-O-O-G-L-E. Google it. Um, and if I am starting from scratch or close to it, I will at least start by doing uh, enough research to enable me to ask some semi-informed questions of somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. So Googling it is the easy part. The hard part is what comes next, and that is actually asking for help. And I have been on a bit of a crusade about this over the last few months because I am really bad at it. Um, but I am on a, a, a submission, I think, to normalize asking for help. Uh, it's just so critical. And you may have seen me post or, or heard me talk about all the life lessons that are in this fable called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. And one of the big ones, or one of my favorite ones in that book, is, is this sort of idea that asking for help is actually an act of bravery. And it, it's a sign, not that you're giving up, but it's a sign that you're refusing to give up. So my thing is, uh, asking for, if you get to the contribution piece of my model, I talk about um, you know, asking for help gives someone else a chance to be a hero. Everyone loves to be a hero. Um, so when we need to learn something new, when I need to learn something new, I say, make someone a hero, ask for help. I, I love both of those. I resonate with all of it. I think one of the things we overlook is the power of Google <laughs> that really, I, I say sometimes that I think what makes a great learning and development professional is their ability to Google, like this, the words they use and the, and the websites they're looking at. But then also when you aren't able to find what you need, then going to the next step of asking someone without learning. Without learning, I think we're just standing still in our lives and in our work. Uh, or sorry, we're not just standing still. We're going backwards um, because the world around us is always moving forward. It's always evolving. And so without learning, we are doing a disservice to ourselves and we're doing a disservice to those who are in our sphere of care. So Jason, what, first of all, I've loved our conversation today and I'm so grateful that all of my listeners and people out in the, in the world here get to experience the goodness of you and hear some of, um, about you and all of that, that you encompass and that you bring to the L and D space. If someone is just jiving with all that you're saying, what would be the best way for them to get in contact with you after the show? And yeah. also, is there anything you're working on right now that you'd love to give a shout out for? Um, well, uh, to the first part, I will say, you know, my, my website is a work in progress, as they say. So I think the best way to find me is probably on LinkedIn. I love to connect with, with listeners and, uh, or I'm on, I'm on Twitter, uh, at J M U C C I. 
Um, find me at either one of those places. I'd love to connect. Um, and then something I've been working on, you, you know, you kind of gave it away. Uh, I'm really sort of excited about this leadership prelude thing that I've been working on and, and sort of beta testing with, with various groups and teams um, to help you know, leaders and teams infuse their leadership and their culture with those three C's you mentioned, the care, connection, and contribution. And so uh, I've been doing and iterating on this sort of fun combination of, of coaching and virtual facilitation that gives people a fun bonding experience while leaving them with some tools, ideas, and there's that word one last time, intentions that will help them show care, build connection, and empower contribution uh, for everybody in their team um, in their day-to-day -day work, and then in, uh, I think, just as importantly, in their everyday way of being. He's doing great work, everybody. If you're not hearing that, I'm shouting it. He's doing great work. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I was I say the same about you. I, I just am such a fan of uh, watching your growth and your intentionality um, and your your work with a capital W. And uh, so it's it's I'm really really humbled to be here. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for coming on the show and for sharing all about empathy with us today. I also want to give a shout out to you, my listeners, for learning with us. Until next time, stay open, receptive, and kind.